Enterprise Intelligence is a weekly video series that talks to industry experts, global thought leaders, and seasoned knowledge workers about how they're tackling their information challenges, embracing new technologies, and moving the needle on performance. Hosted by Shiny Docs founder and CEO, Jason Cassidy. I'm joined today by Cheryl Smith. Cheryl has led IT organizations at Fortune-ranked companies for 20 years. She is the global CIO at McKesson Corporation, Keyspan Energy, now National Grid, and WestJet Airlines was the VP of Strategic Systems at Verizon and Principal at ENY. On top of being a co-founder of the CIO Institute at UC Berkeley's Haas School of Business, Cheryl has helped to create a leadership program at the Professional Development Academy with General Colin Powell and served on a number of advisory boards, including IBM and Oracle, most recently co-authored a leading book on digital transformation, The Day Before Digital Transformation, Unlocking Digital Transformation for Business Leaders. Cheryl, it is so great to talk to you again. Thank, thanks for joining me. It's good to be here, Jason. Thanks for having me. Maybe tell me what uh, encouraged you to write this book and what might have been missing from the industry. In February, just before the pandemic hit, I'm on the board of an Internet of Things company. And I'd been on the board for about four or five years. It was a small company specializing in doing work on Internet of Things. And the CEO from the company called me in February of um, 2020 and said, do you want to write a book? And I said, nope, not on my bucket list. <laughs> no interest whatsoever. I'm happy doing consulting. Then he called in March after the shutdown. And he said, do you want to write a book? I said, yep, let's put together an outline. And what we started out, both of us, and, and I come from, as your introduction shows, I come from a background of being inside very large companies. When I left McKesson, we were Fortune 14, and I was one of five people that, that ran that company, and I was their global CIO, but I've been the global CIO for very large companies. And so I've seen technology from the inside, and Phil Perkins, my co-author, is very technical, but he's always been in consulting for very large companies. And so he's seen it from the outside. And what we realized that together, we had an incredible amount of information, detailed information for about a hundred companies. And the thing that frustrated us more than anything is people throwing around the words digital transformation. And we didn't like any of the definitions that were out there. If you look up any vendor's product, if you look up any corporation's website, they all say we're working on digital transformation. We do digital transformation. So Phil and I knew that we needed to come up with the right definition to help people truly understand in businesses what this is all about and what they have to do. And it was a very contentious eight months as we wrote the book because we had the same conclusions, but we were coming at it from different directions. So it caused us to do a tremendous amount of research. So the book is filled with research, with experience, and it's experience from all different perspectives. What we came up with, by the way, is the fact that we are in the fourth industrial revolution. We have gone through this as society three times before this, and there were patterns that we found in the first three industrial revolutions that are absolutely applying to this one. So at the very beginning, the, th this industrial revolution started around 1980. It will continue to about 2040. So we're in the last 20 years 
of this revolution. We know from prior revolutions exactly what that means, exactly what that stage means. This is the time when companies take the technologies that have been developed during that revolution and really leverage them. This is the time where all the places where, where society booms, jobs boom, people make money. And so it, it, go back to the very first industrial revolution, the steam engine, right? So the steam engine's invented and it began to be built into looms, into boats, into trains. You know, it created um, new products, but it took products that were already there and it automated them. So here we are, 2021. What we found is, is that there were some early technologies that truly created the digital age and that they were technologies like ERP systems, e-commerce systems, search systems, privacy, mobile computing. It was the, it was the miniaturization of technologies from the electronic age and also the development of some really powerful technologies that software technologies that helped companies and, and organizations run themselves better. And the Googles, the um, Facebooks, the Amazons took advantage of those technologies and did really well with them. They developed those early technologies and did spectacularly well with them. And now we have a second group of technologies coming up called, we just call it emerging technologies. And these are the 3D printing, the data analytics, the artificial intelligence, edge computing, machine learning. So these new technologies are part of this digital revolution, but these are the ones that today, when businesses incorporate these technologies into their products and services are really going to make a difference. It's gonna make a difference both in making sure that the organizations succeed and thrive. And the companies we have found from the past three revolutions, that if you don't incorporate the technologies, you will no longer be in business. You will no longer, your organization will no longer survive. So we have from 2020 to about 2030 to begin to incorporate these technologies into our organization's products and services. Now, the really frustrating thing was too many organizations say, oh, I've taken my infrastructure and I put it in the public cloud. I'm now digitally transformed. No, <laughs> that is, that, that's the early technologies that builds the baseline for you to truly digitally transform your products and your services that you offer to your customers, to your guests, to your clients, to your patients, to, to whatever you call your end users. You have to incorporate these technologies in both the early and the emerging, but particularly the emerging, directly into your products and services. So this is not an IT issue. This is not something, there's never been an age in the past where they said, oh, let's just go out and hire a chief innovation officer and let them do all of this special technology stuff. That's not how it works. The, the, the business people, whether you're a government or a nonprofit or a company, the business people, have to select some of these technologies, incorporate them into their products and services or surround their products and services using these technologies in order 
to digitize, in order to truly digitally transform their organization to be able to move forward into the 2030s, because by 2040, there's going to be a whole new suite of technologies, and we're going to start all over again. So many of our customers and the people that we talk to feel like they're a victim of this market right now, which is dragging them in particular directions or washing them downstream with technology. And they're told, oh, migrate to the cloud because that's good, or, or deploy your the, whatever office suite, and that's digitization. And I love that it gets rid of the opacity of what digital transformation is when you, when you say you must digitally transform your products and services, the way you do business and how your customer experiences you, that's your digital transformation. And anything else is just foundational or a start. I, I love that. That's exactly true. You have summarized it perfectly. And that's why we wrote the book. We were frustrated that people were thinking, okay, so we've put in server farms. We are now digitally transformed. No, all you've done is built a baseline by which you can actually digitally transform your products and services. And you have something to deliver it. You have something to be able to be able to incorporate those technologies into your products and services and really do something with it. We're part of an emerging technology. We're part of the piece that brings that the data that's out there, just this raw data and makes it usable by the business. But quite often we're hitting a customer midstream. I'll give an example where they have done all the quote unquote hard work of getting their microfiche and their paper documents and their drawings and they've scanned and PDF them and then put them into a nice system like an open text or an IBM or a SharePoint. They say we're digitally transformed, but then nobody uses it. Nobody can find it. And it's not being used to drive your core business workflows. It's just there as governance and reference material. And then Shiny Docs comes in and says, let's mine the data out of there, combine it with your structured information that's out there, turn it into usable information and knowledge. And this is news to these, to, to our, they're like, oh, I have something extra to do. I thought I was done my digital transformation. And there's this kind of exasperation where when we look at emerging technology, I agree with you, there's another 19 years worth of work here to bring in these amazing emerging technologies that are going to transform your business, yet somehow people wanted to rest on their laurels and saying, hey, it's PDFs now instead of documents. That's good enough. It's funny because we understand the frustration. Phil and I spent a tremendous amount of time trying to figure out how can we take take this confusion that's out there and help companies really think about what this is all about. And so we came up with four, we call them strategies in the book, but they're basically frameworks. And so you take your product, it's pizza. I can't change pizza, okay? So the, it's a diaper. There's nothing I can do about diapers. However, if you take a look at the strategies that we've developed, the first one says, I, I want my company or my organization to be completely customer oriented. I want to be so customer centric. I want these customers to be able to push a button and all they have to do is push a button and the pizza that they want shows up at their house when they want it to show up without having to do anything else. This is the, so the first strategy is to become very, very figure out how to totally connect with your customer. The second strategy is look at all of the systems that all the support systems surrounding your product. 
maybe your strategy is to take these new technologies and to make those support systems the most amazing that they can possibly be. The third strategy is to actually build these technologies into your product or service, build it into the car, build it into the diaper, build it into the battery, build it into the product or service. And then the last one is platforms. We see platforms, obviously, and these are providing products and services that are purely digital. There's, there's nothing else, zeros and ones involved in the product. And we talk about all different industries. We talk about different technologies that apply to it. But to get to what's important to, to you and your, your folks is the data, is the information, the intelligent information. So what we found is in every company, every organization today, there is, and, and we began this at the beginning of the digital age. We began to find, that's why we initially called it the information age. So much data was being produced by these new technologies, by these new systems that hadn't been available to people before. And so it's exactly what you said. It's taking that data that helps you do your operation. And right now, after it helps that particular manufacturing process or operational process, you throw it away. It's data exhaust. You just, it dissipates into the air, exhaust coming out of a car. And we say, no, Amazon took that data and Amazon knows what you're going to buy before you buy it. Facebook took that data and is selling it for advertising. That's how it gets funded. Google took that data and figured out how to help you search it better. So these companies are big and powerful because they understood the power of not of taking that data and creating it into intelligent information. And that's what we need to get to because no matter which of the four strategies is best for your products and services, no matter which of these technologies you actually eventually incorporate, one of the, the new emerging technologies, you really need to understand the data exhaust, <laughs> a tremendous amount of information, where it is in your organization. And then the decision makers, the business has to say, what questions do I need to have answered? You don't go to IT and say, you tell me what questions I need to have answered. No, <laughs> that's not what IT is, what their job is, what their skills are. We can help you get those analytics packages up. We can help you get the AI up. We can help you get the machine learning up. But it's the, the business, the operational people have to say, what questions do I want answered? What data do I need? Where is it? And how do I take this and make it powerful for us? I, I love the example we talked about before that fell on your plate, which was which was Wi-Fi on WestJet aircraft. Maybe we could talk about what the different roles were in the organization, how this changed from being an IT project to a customer experience project and, and a business project. Yeah, I think it's a really good example when businesses come to me and say, this is all IT stuff. And I say, okay, let me give you a really good example. When I was a CIO at WestJet, the business came to me and said, we want to put Wi-Fi on our airplanes. Makes sense. Everybody was doing it. It's a revenue product. They charge for people when they get up there to use Wi-Fi on the airplanes. And I said to them, I'll tell you what, I'll give you some of my technology people to help you hire your own technology people. And they looked at me and they said, well, why would we do that? We have yours. 
And I said, we have 89 bases around the world that I have to communicate with every minute of every day. We have kiosks at all those places that we have to keep up. We have 1,000 call center agents that now that we're using voice over IP, one of the new technologies, we have got to, they're working from home. We have all of this telecommunication. We have ground to air communication that we deal with between our operating, our, our operations people and our airplanes. We've got under the wing, We've got the maintenance guys and how they communicate. That's my job. That's my responsibility. I've got to take care of all that telecommunications. Wi-Fi on an airplane is a revenue product. That's your, that's your responsibility. It's not mine. And so this is where business began to say, oh, yeah, like she's right. In the past, any revenue product, I would be responsible for those technologies, whatever you want to call them involved in, in, in revenue project products or products that directly touch consumers. That's something that the business has to become expert at. And in the past, believe me, I was a CIO that if I found IT organizations out in the business, I called them skunk works. I went and got them and I brought them in. But this is different. This is different now. This is digital transformation is transforming your business products and services with these wonderful digital emerging and established technologies. And that's a business function. And so the business has to learn more about the technologies. They have to hire technology experts in their areas to work directly with their day-to-day -day people to make sure that what they're doing, what they're offering is what their customers, their end users, whatever you want to call them, actually want and need. In the absence of a Cheryl Smith to coach a business to do this activity, to understand where the business demand lies, where the experience for the customer lies, what organizations often do will say, I need technology X, and they'll put out an RFP. And they won't educate themselves on how the customer experience, how we're going to transform our products. They'll just say, we think we need this feature. And then of course, everybody out there is going to bid to that exact feature, whether it is asked correctly or incorrectly. Maybe you could talk about, am I off base or is this actually organizations shooting themselves in the foot by, by just demanding something without truly understanding the Cheryl Smith, how the business experience should work in order to get the technology? To me, there's two aspects to that question. So the first aspect is, I'm a business and I'm sitting there and I'm attempting to do strategic planning. And the first aspect is what am I going, how do I even begin to figure out what kind of technologies might even be of value to my organization? And that's when strategic planning has to be done differently. It can't be done the way it's been done in the past. You seriously have to take a look at your products and services and competitors and what technologies can do and so there's a strategic planning part of it that's really important. And in the book, we try to give a step-by-step -step as to how to go about do that. But once you do that, and once you've narrowed it down to, I, I really need 3D printing, I need data analytics, and I need embedded sensors. Those are my three emerging technologies that are going to make the difference. Okay, going out on RFP makes absolutely no sense. These technologies are called emerging technologies for a reason. That means they're emerging. Their features and functions 
are changing, they're morphing, they're being incorporated by different companies in different ways or different organizations in different ways. And so what I tell people is to go out on RFI, get information, bring the information into your organization. An RFP makes no sense if you don't know exactly what all your requirements are. And no one can know what all the requirements are when you're inventing something reasonably new for your product or your service. And Phil worked with a company, my, my co-author, about batteries. You can, go to, you can go to Amazon and get batteries in 24 hours cheaper than any Duracell, than any Energizer, whatever. And so how do the big companies compete? They worked with one of the big companies and they said, let's put Bluetooth into, build Bluetooth into the battery so that when this battery is in a, a configuration, you'll know when the batteries are running out. So for example, your smoke alarm, it, wouldn't it be nice to know when it's time to change your smoke alarm before it starts to go off? More important, healthcare. So many healthcare devices require batteries. And so knowing when those batteries need to be changed, specifically need to be changed, is really important. So how do you go about and put an RFP out for help doing something like that? And you need requests for information so that people can give you their best ideas about the different technologies, how they're using them, how they're developing them, how they're seeing them, what they have found really works for different organizations. So that was a long way of answering a question that I think RFPs are not appropriate at this moment because they're too specific. People need information. And even after you get your first range of information, you might need a second range of information. And even then to try to narrow something down to a contract that you hold people accountable for, I can guarantee you things will change. Things will change as you begin to work through it. Yeah, certainly our most successful projects are ones where the customer decided to do something slightly different than what we originally engaged them for. Uh, the ones that are unsuccessful are the ones where the customers dig in and say, I don't care what we learned about our data. I still want to do X. And that's some, for some reason that happens. And it, it, to me, it's a lock to that RFP type of thinking. I chose the Cadillac of products, therefore I must implement it. And we're stuck with that decision. It's that sunk cost fallacy. We're even talking to, to government organizations that are really fanatic about the difference between RFPs and RFIs. But the technologies, the emerging technologies, they're gonna make a difference in transforming your business digitally are not ready for RFP, <laughs> for the RFP process. They're just not. <laughs> so we try to explain to people, we give an example in the book about intelligent shelving. This company goes out for intelligent shelving and, and this company that's pr providing it realizes that, oh my goodness, we have a whole new group of people that we're dealing with within a company. We're just not dealing with the shelving guys that used to buy shelving. We now have to deal with the financial guys with, because it's giving off a ton of information that helps so many people within the organization in so many different ways. And the solution might be a little more expensive than just buying wooden or cardboard shelves, but the benefit to the organization is massive, particularly in terms of the information that everybody will get. So yeah, it's a new world. It's a different world. It really reinforces that your organization, everybody's organization has a data ecosystem that's already running. 
it, it, a information ecosystem that is emerging. Uh, and if you don't understand that ecosystem, the data, how information flows within your organization, and you don't have a strategy to transform it, no amount of technology is going to help you until you are confident in that, that data and strategy. How did we miss that? How did we go technology first? The technology is moving faster than unfortunately business. This is, and, and when I say business, I don't care whether you're a government person, whether you're a not-for-profit, business is not IT. So let's, let's use that as the, the description. But the business folks aren't used to being really challenged to say, what decisions do you need to really run your business? What information do you need? What is going to make a difference to your success and failure as an organization? Those are tough questions. And there's nobody but the business people that can actually answer those questions. And so it is a little scary. On the other hand, when products give you this tremendous range of data that you already have in your organization, and if they show you where it is and if they make it really relatively easy to access, there's going to be people up and down the lines in your organization. They're going to say, wow, this means this. If I put these two things together, it means that. Wow. If I, I, I love having that available to me because it helps me understand what that is. And I think first thing, and what we talk about in the book is to know what you have. Second thing is to be able to get, uh, know what you have in terms of data. Second thing is to be able to get access to it relatively easily. And then the third thing is to say, okay, I, how am I going to use this to, how am I going to use this to make it powerful, to help me make really good decisions that will make sure that my organization su it succeeds in the next 10 years, in the next five years.